0: Well, we've moved to the second half of our traditionalist sacred pathway this week. My name is Randy and you found yourself at the Vernon First Baptist podcast, where we are going through the sacred pathways series. And last week we looked at uh, the traditionalist pathway through feasts and calendars. And this week we look at symbols and liturgy, how we do things in a service. And and different traditions have done that in different ways. But we find out that we all have, we all have a liturgy this week. And uh, take a look at what are some of the strengths and maybe some things we need to watch out for with this. So enter in with us once again. We are now going to move to our time in the Word. And we have... special guest scripture reader for us that we're going to have up on the screen so we're just going to leave the, the lights off up here for now and I will turn your attention once more to the screen. You can go ahead with that Helen.
1: Anyways, I want to be there at church one of these days when I feel better much better I will be there for sure but I enjoy the message that uh, Jenny did at church loved what she was saying when we go for walks and things like that such a good job I really enjoyed what she said Deuteronomy 6 4 to 9 hear O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be in in your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates this is the word of the lord thanks, thanks be to be god, to god. Dad.
0: <laughs> oh it's wonderful we had a good visit this week deanna and i and I, many of you saw her uh, yesterday morning it was great to have her here at the women's breakfast oh good they came on Now, I want to tell you a little bit about my brother, Roger. I've mentioned him a couple times. He's always been an incredible inspiration to me, and um, there you can see why. There, he's my oldest brother, Ron is at the top, there he is. That's me, believe it or not, I know I haven't changed a wink, have I? And then there's my older brother, Roger, wild and free with his beard, and boy, you barely ever saw him in a sweater or jacket. It was something special that day. He, he's always been an inspiration to me, and when we went to visit him at Trinity Western College one year, yes, Trinity Western College. This is a while ago, back when it was still a college, not a university. I remember coming out to visit him, and he was so excited to take us to a service in Vancouver, drove in all the way from Langley into Vancouver to St. John's Shaughnessy um, Anglican Church. Now, it was the great evangelical Anglican theologian preaching that time, J.I. Packer. And I'm not sure exactly what he said. I'm sure it was great because I heard him lots after that when I grew up a bit. But it was the whole service that entranced me, right? including a pipe organ. And you can see the pipes of the organ in that shot. Some of, the, some of the pipes shot straight out and others went straight up. There were cushioned footrests for us, which I later found out were actually, they were kneelers, yes. And we even used them in that service. I couldn't believe it. And my brother was not the only college-age young person there. It was packed out with young people, believe it or not. This ancient, to me, ancient, traditional, even liturgical church with red prayers, standing and kneeling, and a pipe organ was filled with young people. What is going on? And I know that many of them, especially those that were at Trinity, that had come in for the service, weekly were coming in, many of them had grown up in a classic evangelical church, much like ours. They sensed that there was something different there, something perhaps a bit deeper, they might say, something even more substantial than they had experienced. What What was my hippie of a brother doing there? Why did he want to take us? And why, as a preteen, was I immediately intrigued by this? I'd say because, at least in part, perhaps, I am a traditionalist. And that's what we're talking about over these, these weeks, last week and this week. The traditionalist sacred pathway. Last week we looked at how traditionalists use feasts and the church calendar, regular rhythms to help us connect deeply with God. Jesus celebrated the feasts but also reminded us that these structures were made for us to help us deepen our relationship with him. We were not made just to follow rules. That's not what they're about. And this week, we're going to take a look deeper at something, things like liturgies, symbols that traditionalists use to deepen their love with Jesus. Now, what do I mean by these things, liturgies, symbols? I mean the actions and things that we use in public worship and private worship to structure and bring focus. The word liturgy merely means public service and it's been spiritualized to be public worship. We usually say that the more formal traditions are liturgical but we all have a liturgy. Some have just been thought out more thoroughly and held firmly. Yet some of our traditions are held firmly too, are they not? Robert Weber, A former professor at Wheaton College and author of the book, Worship Old and New, told us at a conference at First Baptist Vancouver, it's a number of years ago now, that the Anglicans are starting to stand up and raise their hands and selling their kneelers, and the Baptists are buying them. He says this, uh, three great points that I want to just bring up here, churches... Of nearly every tradition are discovering the worship of the biblical and historical traditions. Churches of nearly every denomination are discovering each other and are recognizing that elements of worship preserved in other traditions are relevant to today's worship. And what is happening is the convergence of worship traditions, a blending of worship old and new. Now, as I said before, I think we can clearly know that all churches have their traditions, don't they? We all have a form of liturgy, a form that we use in our public worship. Why? Well, one, to remember. We look back to things and say, yes, that's that's how we do it. That brings us back to God. Now, we've used the terms today, the Lord be with you or peace be with you. Now, where do those come from? What would you guess? Where do those come from? What's that? Ah, well, yes, there's some in the epistles. Some would say, well, the Anglican liturgy or the Catholic liturgy, because that's where you hear those week after week after week. They say those exact same words. But we have to go back further, back further than the epistles, even, my love. Look at this, John 20, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. So when you hear a church say, Peace be with you, they're seeking to follow our Lord. And then, if you want to go even further back to find another one, in Ruth 2, when Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and said to the harvesters, The Lord be with you. The Lord bless you, they answered. These traditions go way back. They go way back. And so we remember. We also do them to ground us. To ground us. Looking back at creeds, Liturgies, ancient symbols, means that we are not run by our own whims of just what's hot today. Our evangelical heritage is awesome, and there's been a freedom in these last couple of hundred years for us to explore who we are according to the scriptures. But many people have begun to explore further back, looking at something The church experience, and the church experience history and tradition that is deeper, maybe, than what they've experienced. The mystery of the Eastern Orthodox Church. The deep liturgy in the Anglican Church, or the deep history of the Roman Catholic Church. I know I've had friends in our regular evangelical tradition all move into each of those experiential, mysterious, deep traditions. And if you're a traditionalist in the evangelical tradition, the everyday church in North America, as a traditionalist within them, you can begin to sense and long for more than the good music and great preaching that you have at your church. Now, some symbols, even something as simple as robes, which I know I've poked fun at in the past, coming up here wearing a robe for some reason or another. Some of our Baptist churches in our denomination use robes for their ministers, for their pastors as they lead service, not to be ostentatious or proud. That's not it at all. Just the opposite. It's not about what they wear they don't want their outfit to be a distraction oh is that a new shirt the pastor has on i don't really like that pattern the idea is to sharpen our focus that they are a blank slate leading us to jesus now our roman catholic friends tell us that no matter where they go around the world they can join in in the worship service as it follows the same format the same everywhere. Now, with this celebration of tradition and liturgies, there's a warning. All liturgies can become empty. I know some people that would say, well, I was saved out of a liturgical tradition with those empty words just repeated, repeated, repeated. Yeah? But even three hymns and a prayer and a sermon can just become a repetition and old God calls us to renewal at the same time as remembering. And weddings are a great example of this. Traditions are key to unpack the deep truth of a covenant as we have a wedding. But most couples enjoy the freedom now of getting married outside. They don't need to get married even in such a beautiful church as ours. And they might use modern songs and even some different outfits. But one usually remains, the white dress. Right? One little girl finally got to attend a wedding for the first time, and while in church, the girl asked her mother, why is the bride dressed in white? The mother replied to the girl, because white is the color of happiness, and it's the happiest day of her life today. After a little bit, the girl looked up, says looks up at her mother and says, well, why is the groom wearing black? (laughs) Well, I'll let you sort that one out later. No, there's nothing wrong with some renewal. And for some, a renewal is to go back to something much older. Let's also remember Jesus' words. In Matthew 15:1, then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. And Jesus replied, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Let's be careful not to let our traditions become empty. And one way to do that is to go back beyond our own tradition and explore others. We can reach and be open to the depth, richness of the Christian tradition as we look back. What's important is Jesus wants us to get stuck, not in our way, but in his way. Which is greater than any one way of gathering and being God's people and doing church. I've always loved how we've had, as an adage here, the best of the old and the best of the new. As we celebrate old hymns that are rich and new songs. That are deep and profound. Now each church can enjoy and be challenged. We can do both. We can enjoy the tradition that we've had, but also challenge ourselves on occasion. And I know that we've been doing that with things like our communion service as we've moved to coming forward. And it was interesting last week to hear people mention even that act that we do and coming forward being a powerful thing for them as we've changed something. And so each church needs to figure out what works, as well as looking to see how to renew. So if you're a traditionalist, if maybe some of this is going, yeah, I'm, I'm loving some of these prayers. I'm loving what this is like. I'm loving what you're saying. You can look for ways to create wonderful traditions for yourself and within your community you could develop your own call to worship maybe you'll take the readings that we gave you you'll take that home you could use that in your prayers this week you can write and repeat your own prayers and you can always look back at deep rich traditions and please if you find something that you love bring it forward i know as we've celebrated lent in the past right away uh, Gert mentioned to me she said pastor thank you so much that's that was a rich part of my tradition growing up Lutheran and it's wonderful to have that here in this and it's something that many have enjoyed now we do this not for tradition's sake not to get trapped in our own tradition or in anybody else's All we do is to grow closer to the one who gives us life. Amen? If it's a tradition that takes you deeper into your relationship with Jesus, then enjoy it. If it's not your thing, don't downplay its importance to others. We don't need to put down any other church or other people. Let's celebrate it for them. Robert Weber wants us to ask three questions as we go forward. He says this, Once churches become willing to recognize the different languages of worship that relate worship to content, structure, and style, a worshiping community is in a good position to think more clearly about its own worship. So first, a church may want to address the question of primary importance. Does our worship proclaim, enact, and celebrate the gospel? Second, a congregation may want to become more aware of its own structure. Do we assemble the people, proclaim the word, celebrate the death and resurrection of Christ, and send people forth so that they experience the rehearsal of the gospel through the order of worship? And finally, what style allows this congregation the greatest freedom and experience of God in worship. Does our style elicit or hinder the praise of God? I, at this point, I just want to say thank you to those. There's uh, a number of people. And recently, Hannah's taken up the mantle of leading our worship and our worship commission here. But Dan Watt was before and then there's been many others like mary key part and carl key members of our worship chuck karen when we came were leading worship once a month together the street church who comes grace who leads and let us not forget that worship is many aspects and so i thank you those of you who have been faithful in leading worship And I charge you to continue to explore who we are as a worshiping community, to look back and to look forward. Let's keep learning about ourselves that we may learn and worship our God all the more deeply. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you so much for the opportunity to explore these different pathways that you have given us a rich tradition that goes so far back through all of Scripture, through these last 2,000 years, and that we can look and learn from those who have gone before us to enhance and deepen our worship and our experience of our relationship with you. Thank you for that gift. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. And to open your hands as a symbol, if you so choose, as a symbol of receiving what God has for you this week. As you go from this service, may you know a little more of how you might connect with God and be freed to connect deeply with Jesus in the way that you were created to be and to free others to be in relationship as they were created to be. And if deep traditions, uh, history of our church can guide you, be open to that and go deep and go back into the past and keep your love of God alive through these rich traditions go in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So come and join us for coffee and then stick around for extravaganza.